Well, once again, welcome to all of you um, to worship today. Um, I'm really excited to begin this uh, new series called Shine and to be able to, to listen to all that God has to share with us through his word on this really important part of the Christian life. A special welcome to all those who might be also listening um, online. It's, it's a blessing to be able to share God's word with you as well. About a month ago, I was getting together the documents that I needed to be able to file my taxes. And in the process of getting those uh, documents together, um, I ended up having a couple questions about one of our our bank accounts. And I just couldn't um, figure out uh, about a, a document or two. I wasn't sure if I should have received it or not. And so finally, what happened is that I ended up having to call the bank's corporate office. Now, if you've ever had to call the corporate office of anything, you know how difficult and challenging it might be. Uh, First and foremost, when you call, you never get a real person right away. There's always some sort of uh, dial menu that you need to pick the right option. And I don't know, is your experience like mine? It seems like every single company that has these, these phone menus, their, their menu options have always changed, right? Every single one. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, I went through two or three of these different phone directory menu options, finally, um, you know, connecting to the, the right thing, and then I was put on hold, which in an essence is not a great thing, but it lets you know that a real person is going to be coming soon. Someone answered my phone call, introduced themselves, and said that their title was customer service representative. Now, just a a little question for you. If someone introduces themselves as a customer service representative, what would you guess their purpose is? It seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like it should take a lot of thinking to know what their purpose would be. It would be to provide service to the customer. And yeah, you know, silly me, that's, that's what I thought too. But it quickly found out by her short responses to my questions and her frustrated tone of voice that service on this particular day was going to be pretty hard to come by. In fact, the way that she spoke, it almost felt like I was a telemarketer calling her at her home during family supper time. But that's not the case. What I was was a customer who was looking for service, and she was a service, customer service representative. Well, to make a long story short, after a little while, I finally just decided that I was going to thank her for her time, and that's exactly what I did, the Lord knows, thank her for her time and call back some other time when someone more helpful might answer my call. Now, I'm not a person that is going to judge someone based on one conversation, Because I know that I've had my crabby days. I know that there can be lots of things going on in a person's life that might lead them to not be quite as helpful as they should be on a particular day. But in spite of all of that, one thing I know for sure, that for whatever reason it might have been, 
on that particular day for my particular phone call, this person had forgotten that her purpose was to be a customer service representative. Now, understanding purpose isn't just important when you're customer service representative. In fact, understanding purpose and what your purpose is is really an important question for all of us to think about and to answer for our lives. And the truth is, is that this isn't usually a question, a question of purpose that we often bump into naturally. In fact, when you're in your 20s normally, so that early adult period, you hardly ever think about purpose. You know why? Because there's so much going on in your life, such huge events. Think about your 20s. Think about all the things that happen. You graduate from college. That's a huge thing. You find your first job and, and then maybe your second and third job, which initially or eventually turns into your career. You buy your first car with your own money. That's a huge thing, the first time you buy a car. You find someone to marry. You get married. You buy your first house together. You have a child. And there's just one big event after big event after big event. But then when you get to, you know, about my age, mid-30s, and for some of you, maybe it's a little bit later. For others of you, maybe it's a little bit sooner. You begin to, to come into this frame of mind in this time of life where you start to see the repetition of life. You start to see how, how things repeat themselves. And it's like, you know, you go to bed, you get up, you go to work, you come home. You go to bed, you get up, you go to work, you come home. And on and on and on. And sure, there are big things in the midst of it, but there after a while just becomes this, this rhythm to life. And sometimes it even sort of sheds or begins to, to turn into a monotony of life if we're not careful. And that's when people begin to ask themselves the why question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, one of the popular ways that I've heard it said recently is this, you know, that people need to determine what is their why. And to find your purpose, to understand what your main purpose is, is truly a very good and important thing. Because a good answer to the question of why am I here has, has the ability to center us during the ups and downs of life. It can keep us grounded. In fact, it can even help keep us fulfilled no matter the circumstances of life. And so our first fill-in for this morning is simply this truth that it is accurate for all people, that purpose, that life purpose is an important thing to figure out. Well, here's the good news this morning, that in this series that we're starting called Shine, this is a series in which we're going to dig into the answer to that question. Over the next five weeks, we're going to really look at, at what our purpose is and how to carry that purpose out. And so this week, as we just start into this series, I'm going to do the work of kind of laying the foundation, giving you the introduction, helping you to understand exactly what this purpose is. 
And so the basis of this series is really found in a statement that Jesus made while he was preaching a sermon. And this is the longest recorded sermon or talk that we have of Jesus in the entire Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Very creative title because uh, this was a sermon that Jesus preached while he was standing on a mount. And one of the things that we know about the people who were gathered there that day is, is more than likely most, if not all of them, were already Christians. Because the content of Jesus' um, sermon was not how to be saved. It's, it's almost as if he assumed they already knew that. But instead, this was a sermon that was really about what do you do after you know Jesus as your Savior? How do you live? How do you act? And And packed into that sermon is this verse and verses that we're going to look at. A statement that talks all about purpose. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start with just the very first portion of verse 14. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. That's what you are, Christians. Not what you're striving to be. Not what you someday could become. That's what Jesus says you are. You are the light of the world. Now that sounds like a pretty big job. It sounds like a pretty amazingly special thing. And, and you got to understand something about the people that Jesus was, was talking to that day. These were people that were from the area of Israel called Galilee. And Galilee, it's a nice place and all. In fact, uh, I had a, I've had a chance to visit there. And it is much more beautiful than the area around Jerusalem. It is a nice place, but it's not a rich place. It's not a prestigious place. It's not an influential place. The people gathered on the hill that day were a group of ragtag Poor Galileans oppressed by the mighty Roman Empire that was in charge. And when Jesus says that they're the light of the entire world, you've got to imagine them thinking to themselves, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but are you sure? Of the world? I mean, that sounds like a much bigger deal than what we're capable of. Do you know who we are? We're nothing. We're not influential. We're not rich. We don't have any power. We don't have any influence. And if they, 2,000 years ago, or you, gathered here today, feel like you're not up to the task, like you don't have the gifts, like you are not worthy of being a light to the world, If you think that you're not worthy, then you're on the right track. What do I mean? Well, let me explain through an illustration. I I want you to imagine that um, we're camping. You're going to have to imagine pretty hard because um, (laughs) I hardly ever go camping. But let's imagine that we're all camping together and it's gotten dark and we haven't gotten back to our campsite yet. 
we can't see where we're going, and I all of a sudden stop everyone and say, hey, just a second, I, I think I have something in my backpack that might help. And so I unzip my backpack, I reach in, I pull out a light bulb. And I take that light bulb and I hold it out in front of us. And you already know how worthless that's going to be. (laughs) That light bulb is not going to do us any good whatsoever at all. If you're wanting to remodel your kitchen and remodel your kitchen lighting and decide that the way you're going to save money is by just taking some light bulbs and laying them out on the counter, you're going to have light bulbs, but you're not going to have light. You see, a light bulb all by itself is kind of interesting. It's a glass circular thing with some, you know, spindly things inside of it. It's interesting, but it is not of any use by itself. A light bulb by itself is not a light. Do you know what a light bulb needs to be a light? It needs to be connected. It needs to be connected to a power source. It needs to be connected to a lamp. And then, just as I am right now screwing this light bulb into this lamp and you see that it gives light, then the light bulb has light. So with that in mind, with, with, with the truth in mind that a light bulb by itself cannot be a light all by itself, listen to what Jesus says a little later in his ministry. He says, John chapter 8, I, this time Jesus, I am the light of the world. Okay, okay now. Now I'm really confused. So which is it? Am I the light as a Christian? Is Jesus the light? Is everything light? What's going on here? Well, let me answer that question by taking you to one more verse in Ephesians. This is uh, something that that the pastor named Paul wrote to Ephesian Christians, chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writes, For you Christians were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Have you ever been in a place or is 100% absolutely dark. We rarely get into places that there is no light at all. I mean, even in your bedroom at night, with the lights off and no nightlight, you still often will have the glare of street lights or the moon that come through your window. A couple years ago, we were on a cave tour in South Dakota, and one of the features of, during the tour was that they turned all of the extra lights off just to show how absolutely pitch dark it was. And my, my little daughter named Addie was standing right next to me by my leg. I mean, literally holding on to my leg, and I could not see her. She was that close to me, and yet I could not see her. She could not see me. And to be in a really dark place where you can't even see your hand in front of your face— I mean, that is something that, you know, you can bear for a minute or five. If you tried really, really hard, maybe you could bear with it for a day. But to be in the absolute pitch dark 
for a month, for a year, for longer, how horrible that would be. Being in total darkness is no fun. And now maybe you can begin to understand why the Bible uses the expression of when a person doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that they're in the dark. That truly the entire world would be in the darkness if it wasn't for Jesus who is the light. But about 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into this world in the flesh. And throughout his life, he first of all shared the message of the gospel, the message of hope and forgiveness through faith in him as Savior. And that was a light. It lit up people's lives to know that God loved them, that God had a plan for them. That there was hope Not because of how great they were, but because of what Jesus had come to do. And then Jesus went on to not only share that message, but to to live it out. He died. And darkness covered the earth on Good Friday. But then on Easter Sunday, the sun rose. And so did Jesus, the Son. And that empty tomb was the the proof that darkness no longer could reign. That those who believed in Jesus as their Savior could now live in the light and be beneficiaries of the light for eternity. But you've got to understand something. All of that is to Christ's credit and none to ours. The fact that that we can see where we're going to go someday, that is heaven. The fact that that we can have joy in this life and not feel, you know, claustrophobic in the darkness of sin is all to Christ's credit. We can take no credit for being a light. But when we're connected to Jesus, there's this amazing thing that happens. Not only does he change us, but he gives us a little bit of his light. We've been given his light and we become lights. That's what the Bible is saying. Our second fill-in. Jesus is the reason that I'm a light. Jesus and Jesus alone is the reason that I'm a light. So if you ever feel inadequate to being the light of the world, good. You should. But then you recognize that I am a light, not because of my adequacy or inadequacy, but because that's what Jesus made me. He made me that which I could not be on my own. And then you're understanding. So we're a light, verse 14 again. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, and do what? And to praise your Father in heaven. 
You see, when you became a Christian, God gave you some tremendous blessings. Things like forgiveness and heaven. But that's not all that happened. When you became a Christian, God also changed you to be something you weren't before you became a Christian. We said that was being a light. And now, as Jesus explains in this sermon, he says, here's your purpose. If you are a light, which you are, then your purpose is to shine. That more than being a husband or a father or a mother or a child or a student or an employer or an employee, that more than all of those things, your purpose is to shine. You're a light. you got to shine. No. Bakers, what do they do? They bake. Preachers, what do they do? <laughs> they like to preach, and sometimes they preach too long. Accountants, they count. Students, they study. Designers design, and what do lights do? Lights shine. Now, here's the reason why I'm being so clear on this and why I'm hammering this so much today is because oftentimes in our fear, in our busyness, in our feelings of inadequacy, or maybe, quite honestly, just in our laziness and sinfulness, we can find ourselves as Christians viewing this directive to shine, to shine our faith towards others, we can view it as being optional. That it's, it's, it's for the pastor to do. Or, you know, why is this sermon being preached to all of us? I'm not on the evangelism committee. <laughs> and it's so easy for us to think, that I don't need to do this. And the truth is, is that while faith is very personal, because it's something just between you and God, faith was never meant to be private. The truth is that faith is personal, but faith was never meant to be private. You were turned into a light, and you were meant to shine. And so we need to go out and shine. Now, one of the things that sometimes affects purpose is feeling like we're not in the place yet where we should be or we want to be. And even if you have something to do, you might feel like you're not in the right place to do it. And it's interesting how Jesus addresses that th conundrum as well when it comes to purpose. Let's go back to verse 14 for a moment. Look what he says. He says, You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, in the original Greek, there's, there's a word there that the NIV translators decided not to translate specifically. Literally, it says, a city set on a hill. And the reason why the word set is so important 
is that this is a word that doesn't just mean built or placed. It has the idea of, of someone thought it out. That someone strategically placed a city on a hill. Now, why would people strategically place cities on hills? You know why? Because again, when people traveled at night back then, there were no streetlights. And so a city on a hill with the torches and fire outside of homes sort of glowing against the backdrop of the dark night sky would serve as an awesome beacon for those few travelers who would be traveling at night. Cities were strategically placed on hills. And then they use that same word a little bit later. You you place a lamp not just anywhere in the house. You place the lamp in a very specific place. It's set on a stand. It's put somewhere strategically. Did you know our next fill-in? Much like a city and a lamp, that your location is not an accident? And at this point, <laughs> you might be thinking, you know what? I hear what you're saying, Ben. But, but understand, that's not true for me. Where, where I am right now, it is totally by accident. You see, my job transferred me here. I never chose to be here. I had no choice. And God would say, Yet yeah, might look from outward circumstances to you that this wasn't strategic. But I, I want you to know, you are right now exactly where I want you to be. Oh no, Ben, you, you don't get it. You see, my job, it's not anywhere even close to the field that I studied for. I have not been able to get a job in the field that I studied for and in. This is not where I'm supposed to be. (coughs) I'm not strategically placed right here. There's just no job openings where I want to be. And and God would say, Jesus would say, where you are right now is exactly where I want you to be. And it may not be where you are in a month, and it may not be where you are in a year or ten years from now, But don't ever question your need, where you're at, and your purpose exactly where you are right now. Because where you are right now is where I want you to be. You're strategically placed. Your location is not an accident. You see, if, if you weren't in the neighborhood you are right now, there may be no one to shine a light, the light of the gospel. And you're strategically placed at your job because there's likely someone there or just the the workplace in general that needs a light and you are that light. You're strategically placed to be the light in the neighborhood you're in, at the school that you're at, the workplace that you go to, at the family reunion, the weekend gathering with friends. You are where God wants you to be. So like I said, over the next four weeks, we're going to sort of get specific application on how to do this. 
But there is one application that we're going to close with today, right in our verses. It's, it's in the last verse. And now let me just preface this by saying, for those of you that feel like, you know, so overwhelmed because you don't know you could, you know, get up the, the nerve to talk about Jesus. Like, we're going to work on that in this series. But the good news is that um, for this first application, you don't have to say anything. Okay? Jesus says, So let your light shine, that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That they may see your light and praise God. I have a kind of an incriminating question for you, but the good news is you don't have to tell anyone the answer. So if someone were asked to describe you with only one word, what word do you think they might say? Like, and we're all thinking, awesome, cool, you know, no, yeah, right. No, be honest, be honest. All right. So let me get a little bit more to the point. How many words do you think it would take for them to get to the word Christian? It's a really important question to ask. Because it's a lot, or if it's not even on the radar, then we haven't been shining a lot. If it's not on the radar, if people don't know who we are, that we're lights, so to speak, don't, don't go tell people, hey guys, I'm a light, they think you're weird. But, you know, if they know you're a Christian, might be different. But they need to know that in order for them to see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Because it's not see your good deeds and, oh, do you know how nice she is? I mean, she's a great person. Or, did you see what he did? He's an awesome person. It's not about being nice. That's not our objective. Our purpose is that we're nice and people under, or we follow the Lord and our people see what we do and they're able to connect that to God, connect that to Jesus. And in order for them to do that, they need to know who we are. (laughs) I know in some arenas it's easier than others. In your home, likely everyone knows you're a Christian, right? Maybe not at your school. Maybe not at your, your work. And I was thinking about what would be a good way to just, you know, shine and could all get on our desks on Monday with a bullhorn and just let everyone know, you know, just in case you didn't know. And that would be a horrible idea. But there are ways, and, and you might have already thought of ways better than what I'm going to share. But here's some very easy ways to crack open the door a little bit to let them know that you're a Christian. So, like, a lot of times people ask, um, what'd you do this weekend? Be intentional when you recognize that you're a light and make sure you say, I went to church. It may not be the only thing you say, but make it one of them. They'll begin to know who you are. Now, my preface to that is, if you didn't go to church that weekend, then don't say that because that would be lying. But if you did go to church that weekend, say it. Or, or if they ask, you know, what did you do this week? And say, well, I'll tell you what I did last weekend. I went to church, you know. Tell them where you went. Um, when people are going through hard times, struggles, whether they tell you or you just know about it, a great thing to say is I'm praying for you. 
You don't have to give them a big, huge, you know, law gospel presentation right there, but you can let them know who you are. And that's, then guess what happens? They'll begin to connect some dots. She's nice, but I don't think it's about her. I, I think it's something bigger. I think it's her purpose. <laughs> and, and he's always so giving. But I, I don't think it's just because he even just cares about me. I think it's because he cares about me because he cares about his heavenly father. And over time, you know the impression that can make on people? Jesus did. It can have an eternal difference on people. And where you're at right now, in your location, wherever you are, it may not be the perfect place to get rich. It may not be the perfect place to, you know, even raise a family or, or whatever other goals you might have. But you know what it is the perfect place for? Your purpose. You're perfectly put, you're strategically placed right where you're at to shine. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this sermon that uh, you shared with us and recorded by Matthew. Thank you for this purpose that you've given us, that we're lights and our purpose is to shine. So dear Lord, as we go out into the world, we'd ask you to first forgive us for the times where we uh, don't shine like we should. And and those times are going to happen. We aren't perfect. You know that, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. But Lord, help ingrain on my heart more, on our hearts more, who we are. Because when we remember our purpose, I know with your help, we will shine more. It's in Jesus' name we pray.